<clears throat> I think that one of the most important <clears throat> questions, <clears throat> one of the biggest things that that we as Christians want is to be led by the Lord. If, <clears throat> if, you're, if you're a believer, if you've been walking with the Lord, I, I, I could bet that your heart is, Lord, I just want to be led by you. And I, and I guess I say that because it's so easy not to be led because the flesh is so readily ready to jump in and lead us. This world is readily you know, willing to take us and show us what to do. And the enemy is always ready to put a hook in our mouth and lead us around just like anything. And so I think oftentimes we're like, Lord, I just want to be led by you. I want to know. I want to know that, that, that you, Lord, are leading, you know, and that, it, that, that he goes before us in all that we do. We, and I think, again, if you're, if you're walking with the Lord and you have this desire, I, I, you know, I'm sure your, your heart is, Lord, I, wanna, I want your will to be done in my journey, you know, I, I, to the very end. And as important as that is, how many of us are willing just to wait on the Lord first? Because I think before we could move in the Lord, we need to wait on the Lord till He tells us to move. Begin, he, he, before He begins to lead us, it's like we need to wait and, and hear from Him until He gives us the direction of which way we should go. Um, there's a song that we used to sing a long time ago. Wait on the Lord. I don't know if that's the name of it, but that's what they sing in that song. And the just, the just of that song it says, "I must wait, wait on the Lord, and in His timing, He will tell us what to do, where to go, and what to say." And I truly believe that that song is is is, is in, it can impact us if we wait on the Lord. If we're patient enough, He will do that. I think so often we are all too eager to go without waiting. And the Lord, I know He's faithful. He's faithful to pick up the pieces when we just like rush out and when we decide to go ramrod something because it's on our heart to go do it and we haven't even prayed about it. It's like, no, no, I did pray about it. It's like, well, how long have you been praying about this situation? Well, I just like threw it up to the Lord and I went. And I understand those, those times, but oftentimes we, we, we get emotional to go do something. And then there's those of us who, who are so content to wait on the Lord, to wait around that we never take a step. Because we overanalyze the situation so much that we never get moving. And I would say I'm in that camp. I'm the type that, that just waits until the Lord pushes me off the cliff. You know, I know there's some that, that, that man, they're just going to jump and it's like, come on, Lord, you're going you're gonna to hold me up, right, right? You know, and then, and then he pick us, picks up the pieces because it's like, I didn't tell you to jump. You know, but I'm the type that he just like, Zeke, come on, it's time. It's like, are you sure? I, I, I can overanalyze things, even in my own life. And I could wait for a long time. But God is patient even with us. Those of us who are kind of slow. Proverbs... 3, 5 through 8, before we get into Acts. I think this is a portion of Scripture that all of us should have, like, embedded in our hearts. 
because it's very vital, these, these, these few verses. In, in, in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Man, it will go well with us if we remember these verses on a, on a daily basis, you know. Um, because if, we, if, we're, if our hearts are there in that area of, of, of trusting and, 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 and leaning and, and acknowledging and, and, and fearing the Lord and all those things, He will never steer us wrong if we're doing those things. If, if, if we're, we're in that place where we are just pressing into Him, waiting for His direction. And what we see in this portion of Acts chapter 16 is a group of believers that are being led by the Holy Spirit and they are being told what to do, where to go, and what to say. It just seems that they were... And, and as I was thinking about that, they were keeping pace with the Lord. They weren't lagging behind and they weren't going ahead of Him, it seems like. Oh, they could have got a little ahead, but it just seemed that they were keeping pace with what the Lord wanted to do in their life. And quite honestly, I think that should be our desire. To not run in front of the Lord, to get ahead of Him. To not lag behind to where it's like, we're doing nothing, but just kind of keeping pace. And, and, and you're not going to know what that pace is unless you're, you're, you're drawing close to Him and know what that pace is for your life. And so we're in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 1 to 15. It says, Then He came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman. Who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with them, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Torres. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing 
from Torres, we ran a straight course through Sumatra and the next day to Neapolis and from there to uh, Philippi, which is the furthest most, foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for, many, for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went down out, out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who we met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She said, or she was a seller of purple of the city of Tyra Tyra, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she had, she and her household were baptized, they begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay, for she persuaded us. That was a lot of reading, a lot of big names. But we're going to cover from verse 6 on. It says, now when they had come or when they had gone um, to, to Phrygia and the region of Galatia, the Lord had, had laid it on the apostles' heart, Apostle Paul's heart, to go back to the churches and the cities where they had ministered before on their first missionary journey. And again, it doesn't tell us how it was laid on his heart to do this, but somehow we saw at the end of chapter 15 that, that he's just like, man, we need to go back to these brothers. We, 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 need, to, we need to go visit, visit them. Now, from the get-go, I'm sure Paul thought that it would go exactly the way he had fir- that, that the first time, you know, that, that well, we're going to take a different route, but it's, it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm sure it's going to be just exactly like the first time, except maybe, maybe I won't get stoned in, in Lystra. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen um, like it did before, but, but hopefully it will be the same thing. And right from the onset, things began to take a different look for Paul. Because as he began to prepare for the second missionary journey, he went to his partner and said, hey, let's go. And then we know the story between him and Barnabas and they split. So right from the onset, it's like, whoa, things might be a little different. And the the scripture that came to mind when I was looking at this was Proverbs 16, 9, where it says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his path. A man's heart plans his ways his way, but the Lord directs his path. I truly believe that the Lord is a God of order and that he truly had laid it on Paul's heart to go and begin to, to or, or, or go back and to minister. And so he me- began to make the plans. I don't know if they were like concreted plans that, that this is exactly what we're going to do, but they had a direction of where they were going to go. It was in his heart to go do it. And there was nothing wrong with him making plans. And I don't believe that there's anything wrong with making plans. I, I, again, I believe that God is a God of order. And, and he likes for us to make plans. I, I, I think it's important that, that we make plans in our lives, even in our Christian walk, as to what we want to do, whether it's in ministry or in life 
or whatever it is, I don't think there's nothing wrong with making plans as long as we make room for the Lord to be able to direct our path. Because we can make make plans where there's no room for God to move this way or that way. And I think sometimes we're so like focused on what we want in life or what we want in our hearts or what we want in ministry that we have this plan and Lord, I've prayed about it and I'm going to do it and you have no room or you leave no room for the Holy Spirit to actually move in your life during those plans. Because most of the time when we have those plans, they're good. God's laid it on our heart to go do something. But if we are so strict to sticking to that plan, sometimes we shut out the Holy Spirit. Oh, and it could probably work, your plan, and and, and it will probably do that. It it will probably come through fruition. But who will get the glory at the end? I think oftentimes when we leave room for the Holy Spirit and we have made the plans and then we we come to the end of it and it changed this way or that way, but we were being led by the Holy Spirit, we can turn turn back and say, Lord, you like nailed it. (laughs) You give him the glory because you were open to his leading. I I was talking to a young man today that stopped by the office. And again, the Lord is so faithful that whenever I'm studying a certain part, of scripture somebody comes into my office and we talk about this subject and he was talking about him and his fiance how his fiance has always had her life planned out and it's gone pretty much according to 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 what her plans were since she was in junior high and she's graduating from college this year and everything she's done and he is more like yeah my plans have never like panned out and i just thought wow you know it's interesting because i'm looking at that right now I was sharing with him that that unless we we seek the Lord in our plans, then then we can get very focused. And it doesn't mean that they're bad, but are we leaving room for the Holy Spirit to, to move and to work? There are some people who would say that plans are for suckers, that they just need to live by faith. They have no plan. They just go for it. They're going to fly by the seat of their pants and they're just going to jump. And God will come through and catch them. And there are people that, that, that do that. And, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that there's people that, that man, they just go for it. And sometimes I envy that. <laughs> I envy that because I'm not that way. I'm, I'm not the one that will just jump and just say, God, you're going to have to pick me up. I, again, maybe I'm just a slow mover. I, I think that there, there's times for that. I don't know if that's always the wisest thing to do. But there, there's things that we do that, that we've already like, we've got to go for it. And the scripture that came to mind for that as I was thinking about that is the scripture that, that on the 21st, on, I was reading Proverbs 21 that day, and it just hit me, and it's just been coming up time and time again. And it's in Proverbs 21.5, and it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of, the, of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Those who are hasty about just going for it, sometimes they don't think it all the way through. 
And they go for it. And it, does, it doesn't mean that, that God can't fix, redeem, or teach us through our hastiness. Because I think sometimes when we are hasty, even in our faith, God teaches us through those things. Again, it might not be wrong. It's just a harder lesson to learn sometimes. Than, than, than praying it through. Than waiting on the Lord until He says go. Again, talking to somebody else and, and telling me his situation. I'm going... You know, you could have waited another month, you know. It's like, no, no, I had to act now. It's like, you know, oftentimes when we think that we have to act now, God's not on the same time schedule as we are. And people might put on deadlines in our lives, and it's like, no, we have to do certain things, even, even in our Christian life, even in ministry. And I think it's foolishness sometimes because you're acting in haste. And whenever you read through the book of Proverbs, you see more of waiting and more about being prudent than being hasty. Now, if, if you want to, as we're going to follow along here, if you want to follow this, this little story here from verses 6 through, through what we read here, if you, if you want to follow the second missionary journey of Paul, um, if you have a Bible that has a map, it's probably map seven that you can follow along in that map of where they started and where they went and where they're going to come back to. But what we've covered here, as I was looking at this and trying to give you guys a picture of where, from, from where they started off in Antioch, to where they were going to go to Troas before they sailed over to Neapolis. From, from Antioch to Troas, I was thinking, it's like going from the southern point of, the southernmost point of Florida, going all the way to the east or to the west coast to the Pacific to like um, Oregon or Washington. If you were going to travel kind of like a north, northwest kind of thing. It was going to go like this. I guess if you were looking this way, it would go like that. Um, and, and so I, 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 I was thinking about this because as they, they traveled from Phrygia or through Phrygia and Galatia, they, they were about to turn left over to Asia, which again, if, if you're following that pattern, they would be going in this direction and they were going to turn left and it would have been like going down to Arizona or, or California coast. That that's where they wanted to go where it says that they were forbidden to go there. And then as, as they were forbidden to go left, they were deciding to keep on, on, on course and then they decided to turn right towards Bithynia which would be the equivalent of, of, of turning northward and going up to the Canadian border and, and Canada. So, so hopefully you get a little picture of, of how these guys were traveling and they would have went south this way or north that way. And, they, and we are told that the Holy Spirit forbid them from turning left. And then that the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them to go into Bithynia. After they had turned right, it seems like, it seems like they, they, they basically turned right, they got to Bithynia and they weren't allowed, not permitted to go in and they had to come back to the road where they were at. 
And the word forbidden means to prevent by word or act, to hinder, to keep from. And the word not permit is not allow one to do what one wishes to do. And the interesting thing here is that their desire, the desire of this team was to go and preach the gospel of God. And for some reason, God himself is preventing them, forbidding them to go into certain areas to preach the gospel. And you're thinking, but it's a noble cause. Would God not want me to go preach the gospel somewhere? You know, and, and so you kind of scratch your head. I was actually scratching it because I needed to, but it was kind of funny. But, but you kind of like, why would God forbid anyone from, from, from turning left or, go, or, or going right? Why would he not permit them to go do something that he has called them to go do? Because they, they had been called to preach the gospel. Now, it doesn't mean that the gospel would never go be preached over there because up in Bithynia area, if you read First Timothy or First Peter, Peter hits all those areas. He writes to all, those, all that region there. Eventually, the gospel gets over there, but Paul was not the one that was supposed to go up that way. And Paul, on the way down towards what, what would be Asia, on his way around, as he looped around, he would hit those places. But at that moment, as he's traveling, he's not supposed to go do it at that time. And as I'm looking at this, thinking about this, it doesn't tell us how they were forbidden or how they were not permitted to go do something. And, and again, what, what I'm thinking of is like, when, then how do we know when the Lord is closing a door? How do we know that? Man, if I knew, I'd write a book and charge you for the answer. <laughs> you know? I, I, because it's like, man, I wish, I wish it was so plain and simple of how exactly was it that when they were desiring to go down to Asia, they were forbidden. Did, did, did somehow God show them? It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us that after they turned right up to Bithynia, why did God even allow them, if they weren't supposed to go up there, to go up there, get to the gates, get to the door, basically, and God says, no, you're not coming in. And they had to turn back down to the road that they were on. But understand this, as they got back down to the road, they didn't go back to where they came from. They continued on the road that they were already on. And I thought, you know, sometimes, again, we're not allowed to do certain things, and the Lord stops us from going this direction or that direction. But I don't think He ever wants us to go back in the direction that we came from. I think He wants us to continue to move forward and not to go backwards. I've heard this saying before. As we're talking about how do we know what God wants? I've heard the saying before where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others, and then do what you want. Now, I understand what it's saying, but some people can misuse that term. It's like, really? I can go do whatever I want? Well, if you're actually loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you're seeking Him, 
and you're loving others like, like he tells us to, to be doing, then I understand just go. Just go on with your bad self. God will show you as you're going. But many people, again, they will take that and say, well, I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, and soul. I kind of like people. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Again, I think it's, it's being misused. I, I, I would say that if we are doing what Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, on a daily basis, if, if, if we are trusting Him, leaning on Him, acknowledging Him, fearing Him, then just continue to walk and He will tell you what to do, where to go, and what to say. Because I can't give you a formula of this is how you know when God is saying no. I can't give you that formula. I wish I could. Because it's always different. The different circumstances that you face. The different times that, that, that you are out and about. What you're doing in which direction. It's like everything is different every day. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, it would be nice if he just gave us a formula of, of how to know when the Holy Spirit is closing the door. Because oftentimes, and I'm sure you battled with this like I battled with this, is the Lord the one that is closing the door or is Satan the one that's hindering me from going through that door? Again, it's like, how do you know? <laughs> Well, oftentimes you would know, in, in one sense, if you are trusting, leaning, acknowledging, fearing Him, seeking Him on a daily basis, God will reveal it to you. Because it doesn't tell us how Paul and, and those guys knew not to turn left, why they had to make a U-turn and continue on. They knew. I, I, not that Paul was not Spirit-led before, but I truly believe that with what happened between him and Barnabas, I think it humbled him even more to seek God's face. I, I, I don't think he got over it as soon as they split up. I, I truly believe that it made Paul a little softer after that. A little bit more intense on seeking the Lord of what to do and not to do. I, I, I think it was a time in his life that, that really softened him because to become more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I think oftentimes when we get humbled in our lives, it's when we're seeking the Lord more because it's like, man, Lord, I can't do this. And you find yourself praying more. You find yourself in His Word more. You find yourself in fellowship, in, in, in a place where you're, you're being fed from other believers, not just the pastor, but from brothers and sisters, and you're ministering to one another. And you're talking to one another, and you're going... This is where I'm at. And the Lord gives that person a word of knowledge or something. And all of a sudden it's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That's exactly. Because again, you can read it and it's like, Lord, I think you're saying this. And then you, you're in fellowship with someone, whether you're your spouse or somebody else. And they say the same exact thing. And you're going, okay, Lord. And I'm the type is like, well, give me two more confirmations. You know? That's me, you know, confirm it right on, God. That's amazing. Wow. It's like, hey, can you give me two more? Because I, I am like thick-headed sometimes when it comes to those things. God is patient with me, man. When God is not saying 
or leading in your heart to turn right or left, then, then our only course <laughs> is to stay the course. If he is not saying for sure and he is impressing it on your heart and you have this peace to turn right when he says turn right. And again, I don't want you guys to overanalyze this whole thing. I'm just saying if you're doing this on a daily basis as far as leaning on him and trusting in him and all those things and he is not saying I need you to turn left or left and just stay the course. If you're not, if you haven't heard to go, then wait. Because oftentimes our journey sometimes needs to begin with a lot of waiting before we really step out and something that, that will affect people's lives, especially your family. I, I, I think I talk to, to way too, to too many people that it's like, no, well, I, I just got to do this. And it's like, man, you're putting your family in, in danger. Not that, again, God can't lead us in those directions. But oftentimes, is there wisdom behind it? I usually tell people, man, why don't you stay in the book of Proverbs for a, a couple months before you make a big decision like that? And see how the Lord leads you. And not just the book of Proverbs, but throughout the Word of God. Because as Paul, even as they were journeying and they turned right up to Bithynia, they, didn't, they weren't allowed to go in. They, they, they weren't allowed to go in and they had to backtrack. But they continued on because their destination was Troas. Their destination was a place where they would come to the inn and it was a port city and it's like, okay, Lord, we've gotten here. There's water in front of us. What do you want us to do? And it's interesting because they didn't decide, well, let's go south. Let's go north. Let's go this. Let's do that. In the night season, in the night, is when the Lord ministered to him. It, it's almost like he, he, he slept on it. He allowed the Lord to minister to his heart. And it's interesting because we're not told how the Lord closed the doors in these other instances, but it tells us that God, or, or that Paul knew that he was to go to Macedonia because there was a vision that God showed him. Now that would be an a, a amazing thing. That would be a, a great thing if God gave us visions every time we were supposed to step out. If that is exactly, that's, that's the way he does it. Whenever you have a vision, go for it. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know how many visions you have in your life, but they are far and few between normally. And I don't think that, that God... As, as, as we look at this, because throughout the years I have learned that God very rarely does things twice in the Scriptures. Because if He did it more than two times, man, we would make a doctrine out of it. We would say, we're not going to move until we all get a vision. That's when we move. He never healed somebody the same way twice, because if they would have, if He would have, then that would have been our healing ministry. We have to make mud every time we come so that we can heal people. We have to spit in people's faces because he spit in people's faces several times. No, he did it once. <laughs> he might have done it other times, but it's only recorded once. Because again, if he would have done it on a continual basis, we would have said, well, that's exactly how we do it. And so as I'm looking at, at, at what we're studying here, and, and Paul and, and Silas and Timothy, some, for some reason, they just knew what the Lord was doing. 
and leading. How? I don't know exactly, except they were, they were trusting Him. They were leaning on Him. They were acknowledging Him. They were fearing Him. And the Lord was able to tell them where to go, what to do, what to say. It's interesting in verse 10 that, that we, we see the word we here, where it says, and after, we, and after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. This is where Paul, the writer, or the, Luke, the writer of Acts, puts himself in, this, in the narrative, in the story. He, he, he was probably in Troas, and I don't know how they, they met or if they knew each other from another place, but all of a sudden, the writer of Acts is, is in the story now. And, and, and there will come a time where he'll say, and they went here, and he might have stayed over here, and there's several times, but now he is in the story. And one of the commentators that I was reading suggested that maybe perhaps... Luke was the one that was in the vision, the man that was in the vision. But there's nothing that confirms that. But I thought, hmm, well, that would be interesting. But the call here was to go to Macedonia, which would be considered Europe area, over by Greece. This would mean that that they would have to sail across the Aegean Sea there. But it says that it was concluded or, or, and concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Somehow, they knew that this was of the Lord, that this vision was of the Lord. Did Paul wake up and say, guys, this is what... This is what I, I saw last night. I truly believe this is what the Lord's leading. And maybe they spent some time to pray and say, yeah, we've concluded. There's confirmation here that this is what we're supposed to do. Again, because he had these people around him, he was able to share what the, what the Lord had laid on his heart. And they knew exactly what to do. And, and their course of action. And for, from verses 11 through, through the end of the chapter there, or the end of, to 15, where we're going to close, it says that they sailed from Troas, and, and, and they went directly towards Neapolis there. But there was an immediacy that, that, that came with that timing of that vision. Because as soon as that vision happened, it says immediately, they, they like sought to, to take off, to set sail. And it is believed because of the, the winds that, that, that happened in that, in that sea, that there would be the perfect time for them to take off. It took them two days to get there. It was about 150 miles from Troas to Neapolis, and they skirted on, on the north side of, of that one little island there. And it's interesting because in chapter 20, on the, on the, the, from, from Neapolis back to Troas, it will take them five days because they were going contrary to the wind. So as they sailed this way, the wind was behind them. 
It was pushing them. It was leading them. And again, to me, as I'm looking at that, I was like, man, it's just almost, again, confirmation that the Spirit of God was just leading them and sailing them through to get to this place because they needed to be there because there was people that they were going to meet. The Gospel would be preached over in Europe now because of, of, of their obedience. From the port city of Neapolis to Philippi, it would be about 10 miles to get there. And Philippi was, was a Roman colony, it says here. It tells us that it was a colony, which meant that that, that oftentimes the retired Roman military, some of the Roman military, would be placed in these strategic cities because it, Rome kind of controlled that. And, and Philippi was, was an important city, a strategic city. One of the commentators said it, it was Rome away from Rome. It was, it, it was like this is the Rome of, you know, of this region here. And so they would send people over there so that the, the Roman citizens, especially these retired military people, would, would live there and, and, and have this strong pro-Roman influence. And the fact that Paul didn't go into the synagogue shows us that there wasn't very many Jewish people there. To have a synagogue in a, in a city, you would need at least 10 Jewish males. And there was no synagogue. So they went down to the riverside to go pray. Apparently that was their custom at that time to go down and pray because they didn't have a synagogue. And as they were led to go down to where these people were praying, the Lord impressed it on their hearts to speak to these people that were there. They happened to be women. And it's interesting because Paul had a vision about a man saying, come and help us. And here he's ministering to women. There's a saying by the rabbis back then, it is better that the word of the law be burned than to be delivered to a woman. They didn't think too highly of you ladies. But Paul no longer, I guess, leaned in that direction. He was open. I mean, here's a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he's ministering to women. He has something that's so important. He, he has forsaken his lifestyle to follow after God. And there's women that de- need to be ministered to. And that's who he's going to minister to. He was going to be obedient to the Lord. Who had already gone before him. And already had been leading him. And I don't think that he, he got to Philippi and said, oh, A bunch of ladies. I don't want to minister to the women's study. (laughs) You know, that's not what I want. No, the Lord had led him. All that way he had led him to those particular people. And it says in verse 14 that this certain woman, Lydia, heard them. She heard the word that was being spoken. And this woman, Lydia, was probably a successful businesswoman that came from Tyra, where they, they, they were known for this purple dye that came from some shellfish that was very expensive. And it's quite possible that she was sent over there to work by the guild that she was a part of because they had guilds back then, uh, 
what would they be called now, unions now, that, that sent them. It's like, here, man, you're that's going to be your station. And it's interesting because Tyra Tyra is south of Toraz, way on this side, and, and yet Paul goes and meets her way over here. And again, we begin to see how God, when you're, when you're leading or being led by the Lord, when you're trusting in Him, acknowledging Him, leaning on Him, um, fearing Him, He leads you to go where this person needs to hear the gospel. And it's, it's like, man, she's far away from home. Paul's far away from home. But that's where, where she needed to hear the word. Maybe before that, her heart wasn't open, but now it's open. And it took all that trip, and that's where they were going to start part of their missionary journey from there. And it wasn't to all the men, because there wasn't very many. And it says that she was a worshiper of God, which means that she was a Gentile who hasn't converted to Judaism, but she was worshiping the God of the Jews. She was a, 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 a person that, that wanted to know the truth. She was seeking the truth, and she found it. And it was because Paul and his team were obedient and being led by the Holy Spirit. And they were able to go and she was able to receive it at that time. Again, to me, I just get blown away because it's like so often you're wondering, Lord, why are you leading me in this direction? You're not telling me to go this way. You're not telling me to go that way. I just feel like, man, all these doors are being closed or, or, or I'm not permitted to go in this direction, that direction. He's going, just keep on going. I have something for you. And again, I really can't tell you exactly how the Holy Spirit works. Because the way He works in my life is different than the way He works in your life. And I don't think there's a cookie-cutter answer to, this is how you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, except that when you're in the Word on a regular basis, on a daily basis, I could guarantee you that He will speak. If you, if you acknowledge Him in all your ways, He will direct your path. If you don't lean on your own understanding on a regular basis and lean on His understanding, He will direct your path. If you trust Him with your life, He will direct your path. I, I, I can't tell you how He speaks, except that I do know that He speaks through His Word all the time. And I think sometimes we go, well, I just didn't get nothing out of it. And it's like, well, just keep on reading it. Just stay the course. And some people, well, I just can't understand it. It's like, man, honestly, guys, if I can understand it, you could probably understand it. Just stay the course. Don't, don't, don't get swayed because it's like, well, it's just, I just, I'm not getting it. Stay the course. Guys, if I could encourage you to do anything, is stay the course. Don't go back because there's nothing back there for you. Some of you guys have, have been back there already and it's like, yeah, you're right. There's nothing back there for me. Trust Him. Lean on Him. Acknowledge Him. Fear Him. And I could guarantee you, as you're doing that on a daily basis, He will tell you what to do, where to go, and what to say. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, again, Lord, I, I know that you perfectly speak. 
Lord, I know that we don't always perfectly listen and hear. And Father, I think sometimes our hearts and our minds are so bogged down with so many other things in our lives, Lord. And you want to free us from those things, Lord. But Lord, I know that it's virtually impossible for you to penetrate our hearts if we don't even turn to you on a regular basis, Lord. We sometimes think that we can live off of yesterday's manna, Lord, and that just won't work in our lives. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I, I pray for them right now. I pray that, God, their hearts desire, because I know if they're following after you, they desire you, Lord God, then they want to know your will. They want to know which way to go and when. They want to know, Lord God, when you're closing the door, when the enemy is just tripping them up. And Father, I pray that you would open their eyes of understanding and their ears that they might hear your spirit speak. Lord, I truly believe that oftentimes it's in those quiet moments, in those still times that you truly speak really loud. Lord, so often we're just so busy and everything drowns you out, Lord. And I just pray that even right now, Lord God, you would still our hearts as we seek your face, Lord. You would direct us. Lord, we would desire to press into you, Lord, and hear your heart. And Father, we would desire, Lord God, to know what you want for us. Lord, the selfishness that, that, that is within every one of us, Lord. That we would put that away. That we would battle that day after day, Lord, to know you, to draw closer to you, Father. Lord, I just ask God that right now, Lord God, you would just encourage my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who's never heard your voice, Lord, because they, they haven't been seeking you, I pray that right now, Lord, you would you would open their hearts that they would come to know you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you for for your word that does lead us when we seek you, Lord. It will tell us what to do and where to go, Lord. We truly just thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.